Welcome to Overboost 35. Overboost is a podcast interview series featuring discussions with speedrunners about their history in speedrunning and gaming and the runs they're passionate about. I'm your host, PMC Trilogy, and with me today is Jay Hobbs. Jay Hobbs, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Now, of course, we're, we're hot off of AGDQ 2021, uh, which I know you had a hand in. Uh, first off, can you, can you just give us a quick sense of the, the scope of your duties and what you do with GDQ? Yeah. Is that possible? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what my, I think what my official title is, is, um, head of interviews or something like that. Okay. Um, but realistically what I do is I head up the, I manage, um, the interviews and the pre-show pretty much everything about both of those. So that involves, you know, um, managing all of the interviewers that you see on screen, all of the interview production folks that help us out behind the scenes for all that stuff, uh, helping to, you know, make the actual schedule of all the interviews. And, uh, also then the pre-show, I make sure that, you know, we write the script for all that and everything. Like there is a lot of help given by my entire team of people. Um, but it is, yeah, it's pretty much just everything related to interviews, uh, pre-show and also like sometimes other interstitial content like the daily recaps that yeah the daily recap that was another thing i was actually going to ask um you know now that i got a sense because that was going to be that was my guess that it was pre-show interviews mm. recaps uh i wanted to ask was there anything that you were particularly proud of uh from from those things where you're like you know we really nailed that this event and that's going to be something we carry forward uh well i'm always i'm always happy with the pre-show because it's one of those things where and i, I don't know if you ever did any kind of like uh, theater or even class projects or something in school um where every all the time leading up to the the moment that it happens you're like oh it's terrible everything's wrong we got to fix it it's all like we, things this just isn't working it's not funny or it's not good enough and then as soon as it goes off, it's like, oh, everything was great. And it, I w- barely would ever change a thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So um, I'm always happy with the pre-shows in that regard because like, the team just does such a great job every time. Um, and I was really happy, too, with how it came out because Esteban, who um, normally does the like finale videos that you see at yeah. the on-site GDQs, was doing all the editing for it. And so that was a really big thing, too, in terms of like working with Esteban and making sure that, you know, hopefully I could give him everything he needed. And, uh, you know, just was, was the like idea in my head and in the everyone's heads, writing the thing going to like convey in editing. Cause that's a big part of it. Uh, and it totally did. It was, it went great. Um, but also the daily recaps, like we started those last, um, at SGDQ and mm-hmm. I think those have been really fun. Uh, we've run into a couple production hinks, uh, chinks like here and there, but like, yeah, it's been really, really good. Um, I, I have been enjoying those a lot. I think that it's cool to just be able to break down the day and mm. give you a, a bunch of great runs to go check out. All right. So now I need to ask the specific question. Can you give me a quick oral history of how the whole thing with you chucking meat against the wall came together? Was that your idea? <laughs> and how did you okay. feel about doing it? <laughs> so that was uh, that was Foo's kitchen. A lot of people don't know. Foo and I live actually like fairly close to each other. And uh, that was her idea, but it kind of came together in that... This is actually a fun story. So the, the that whole sketch, the entire kitchen mm-hmm. scene that we were doing in the pre-show, uh, 
we had written that, you know, with everybody else, like the whole team online, you know, weeks before or whatever. And the writing process is like, we're writing every week for a while and revising until things feel like they're working well enough. Uh, and when we kind of sat down to do like a, a just rough run through of just a rehearsal of the whole thing, it felt like that one wasn't working. <laughs> it felt like the kitchen like sketch just wasn't really was like a working. Whole sketch in relation to other sketches. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Like we we were pretty. I was we were really happy with Franken Keys as soon as we heard that like read out once. It was like okay, we we're good there. The awful block thing that's so great, but uh, it felt like the kitchen thing wasn't really coming together. And so when when like Fu and I got in person to go film it, we were like this isn't where we got to rewrite this. <laughs> we got it. We got to do it again. So pretty much we pretty much rewrote the entire thing. The right before we recorded it, um, we kept what we could, especially a lot of the stuff related to the games. And we knew that one of the games we wanted to feature was super meat boy, of course. because it makes way too much sense, right? Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's very food based just by the name. And, uh, and so we, you know, we were just talking about like, okay, we need some kind of like factor to the show. That's going to make it fun and funny and just, just like get people interested uh and it just an offhanded fake name for a youtube channel that i had put in the script called cooking with gas where we do it fast uh ended up being the whole like thing the mm. whole theme of that sketch and uh and as part of that Fu was just like you need to throw the meat against the wall so that way like it it like trails down just like, like super meat boy in the game. And you just see this like meat trail behind it. And I was like, that's not going to, it's not going to fall down. It's either going to fall completely like in a lump or it's going to stick to the wall. Either way is going to be hilarious. Oh, yeah. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but it was, I don't know. It, it was really cool to like that. She was down to do that. It was uh, totally her idea. I want to give her the full credit on that one. And it, it, the every time we made a mess we had one take at it, it like mm-hmm. as pretty much as if it was a live a live thing we tried to record a lot of the sketches as if it were um a, a live show yeah part because like that's how we normally do the pre-show and also part because the whole thing was was an snl uh you know parody so it what what is snl if not live um but especially that part was just like all right. Any anytime we're making a mess, we got one shot at it, or we got to clean everything back up and do it again. And the meat is not going to separate; it's going to mix together. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was fun though. I think it, it came out really, really well. Yeah. No, I, I feel like that was the standout moment for for a lot of folks. But I but I also knew the moment I as I, I mentioned before we started the interview that I think I had first reached out to you uh, in December. And so, of course, like I'm thinking, like, all right, I got, I got to find a question. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I know what I'm asking. It's <laughs> like, what's how, how did this come together? Right. Oh man, but I'm glad I'm glad I asked you also to give to give Fu the credit as as well. <laughs> um, well, let's go. Let's let's get on with the the script. Then let's go back to the very very beginning. Where does gaming start for you? Does it from friends, oh, wow. family member? Where does that come from? <clears throat> um, for me, I. I think it's definitely friends. Uh, my my parents weren't like really into gaming, and I'm the oldest sibling, so it's mm-hmm. like you know if I'm gonna get if if somebody's gonna get something from from like siblings, it's probably gonna be my brother and sister uh, from me. And I just I I like my actual first um, my first video game console that like we owned 
uh, I guess technically was a Game Boy Advance, but uh, PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. which is pretty late, like compared to, I think, a lot of people who are, you know, are just like, oh, yeah, when I was real, real little, I had this like NES or had a SNES or whatever. Um, no, missed all that. <laughs> but I had a really good friend of mine who um, had a lot of the Nintendo stuff. So, like, he had um, a SNES and he had an N64 and a GameCube. And uh, a another friend of mine who, like, lived very close was sh- uh, she had a PlayStation 1. And we would play, like, Crash and Spyro at, at her house. I remember that uh, pretty distinctly. And I think that, like, just the obsession kind of just started with, with playing with some friends. Um, you know, my, my parents weren't like against games or anything. Mm-hmm. We only got one late cause they were just like, they didn't grow up with it. So they didn't kind of get the point. They're like, Oh, just go outside and play basketball or something like go play with your friends. <laughs> and, uh, and so we would go outside, we play with our friends and we'd go inside and play games with our friends. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I think, uh, yeah, friends probably just for what it was when I was a kid. So when, when you got, when you did get your own PlayStation two in the household itself, what were some of the, the early games that you were playing then? Uh, I played a bunch of stuff on the PS2. Like, I don't think, uh, no, I, I've ever since I moved, I haven't actually set everything back up mm-hmm. on that shelf yet, but I still have a lot of the PS2 games from when I was a kid, but, uh, I have a brother and a sister. And when we got the PS2, our parents also got us, uh, each one game. Um, I got Gran Turismo three. I think my sister got hurdy gurdy, which is a very interesting game. Uh, and my brother got kingdom hearts and that's, where it began <laughs> uh-huh. okay so we found one of that, the threads yes that was the one that i uh that i definitely played the most probably more than my brother even played it even though it was like technically his game uh and then you know kingdom hearts 2 came out played that a ton uh played a bunch of other stuff like kind of the classic fun multiplayer ps2 era games nfl street you know nba street and that kind of stuff um thick battlefront uh to battlefront one or two at some point just kind of a, a you know whatever mm. ended up showing up in a bargain bin at a Walmart or something. Sure, sure. I think we ended up getting. So that brings up a, a, a nice segue for one of my usual questions, which is the you know we're going to be talking about speedruns, right? That's that's how mm. we got here, and <laughs> those are typically single player games, but oftentimes we play lots of games, and so I wanted to ask: uh, Have you had uh, any sort of big multiplayer phases over the year? And you know that includes things like couch multiplayer like you're just talking about it could include mmos league of legends you know whatever the case might be what what have been some big phases for you uh i'd say like kind of in the era all through high school like from elementary to high school it was just kind of those couch co-op whatever we got our hands on you know uh, my friend and i would play smash a lot i remember us staying up all night unlocking every character uh and then at one point his dog walked over on the n64 and hit the reset button and we were like no it was <laughs> it was funny but uh after i would say like right at the end of high school or right after high school going into college um some friends really got me more into pc gaming and uh team fortress 2 is mm. something we played a bunch of and then uh what's your favorite in- class Oh, uh, I always played either sniper or spy. So basically okay. I was, I was a jerk. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, like after that, we in college, a friend, another friend of ours um, ended up being big into league and got us into it. And uh, I think, yeah, league of legends for me was like four or five years or something of playing it nonstop. And then once I found speed running, I kind of uh, stopped doing it a bunch, but 
Mm. Never MMOs though. Not, not really. Never, never MMOs. Really okay. Into the Interesting. MMOs. Yeah. It's it's so funny for me to ask. There was a period of time where I had a bunch of people say League, uh, but then mm. I I've started getting all sorts of other things. It's it's I I never. It is a thing that is interesting to me about doing these interviews is that I can usually guess some things like how people got into speedrunning or based on how old they are, what their first console might have been. The multiplayer stuff is never consistent. <laughs> and I think that's right. I think that's really interesting. Uh, here's another question then. Uh, and maybe you already sort of uh, answered this. So we're, we're, we're adults with, with jobs and we pay rent or mortgages or whatever. Uh, at some point, that means that along the way, we probably took ownership of our gaming hobby. And so I would ask, was there a particular point in time where you saved up money or got a first job and then bought a console or a computer? You know, would you just kind of say there's a point where like games aren't just something you're getting as gifts from your parents anymore? It's now your hobby. Right. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, we would save, you know, like birthday money or whatever and maybe go buy a game. But it was definitely most of my parents. Uh, the oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I guess the first thing I could think of, it would be. um I built my own computer in high school um, from kind of just like scrap parts or, you know, just old machines that were getting retired mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and I got a laptop that I think I bought myself. I don't remember. And kind of like combined, I ran like a two computer setup uh, with with a program to like move the mouse in between it all. And that's what I ended up first starting to game on. Um, in college, I like also ended up buying uh, a computer then. So I guess it really was like pretty kind of late for me. Uh, high, like late, really late high school, early college. Um, for a bit, a lot of my money was getting spent on like drum gear and stuff like that. <laughs> Wait a second. No, I'm sorry. You, are you a, uh, you're a percussionist, sir? Uh, I, I would not go that far. Not go that far. Okay. <laughs> I would go, I would go with rookie drummer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I used to play the drums. I got real into them until in like junior year of high school or something. And I uh, played for a little while and, and then it's I lived in apartments for the longest time and it's it's real hard then uh just being able to I had an electronic set but even then you're stomping on the floor and mm-hmm. if you yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I was I I was a trumpeter for many many years and I still have all my horns and I can play them now but unfortunately I don't have much opportunity to so I definitely but I got out of practice cuz I lived in the DC area and mm. just as you said uh, so that's yeah that, that's hard though. yeah no, it's definitely especially when you're somebody who you're like i don't want to be the jerk neighbor like i don't want to be that one that they're kind of complaining about and stuff so it, it's difficult to stay yeah. up with it uh so before i get to my next question i did want to ask was crash something that you had encountered during that period when you were playing with your your friend uh on their playstation one uh yeah like i think we played crash 3 i definitely remember and i think crash 2 i I remember as a kid playing it it's still it's not one of those games it's not like kingdom hearts for me where like i played it all the time like multiple playthroughs got made sure like i got 100 percent or anything uh but i definitely remember us like playing it when Mm -hmm. i was a lot younger cool cool all right well let's get to that question that question is of course how did you first learn about speedrunning uh yeah the classic right this is like the the speedrunner question yep. for for a podcast you gotta gotta do it no i uh, i did i did listen to the uh i think it was the january 2018 episode of my insane pace uh, oh okay so i I, right. I do my i do my homework i should i sleep around all right <laughs> don't worry <laughs> sounds good um yeah for me it was uh so a actually the same friend in college who was the childhood friend who had like a all the nintendo stuff um he he and I were roommates in college, and he uh, and another friend of ours, 
showed me uh let's see what they showed me they showed me um Nar- narcissa rights ot any percent run which i saw and i was like that looks awful i don't want to do that that's super <laughs> unfun but i had never played ocarina of time i wasn't mm-hmm. a nintendo kid really um and they showed me super mario 64 they showed like a task of it and i was like because I, I also I have a software engineering background background as well. Okay, and so the it was interesting for me in a community pers- uh, uh, perspective of like, oh wow, this is kind of cool that like it, it's a little weird that you know no humans doing this, but it's kind of cool at the same time that it's like people found the upper limits mm-hmm. of what's going on. But I was still like, ah, eh, whatever. I don't know. I I, I, don't, I don't think speedrunning is really all that cool. Uh, and then. I had some day where like, you know, I used to watch a lot of League of Legends streamers at the time and there was some day where there must have just been nobody that I wanted to watch on and I had nothing to do. And I was like, why don't I just like check the Twitch directory? I've never done that. Like just gone and looked through the directory. Um, And I found uh, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle was on there and it was like pretty high. I was like, why is what Sonic Adventure 2 Battle? I love that game. Terrible game, by the way, but I love it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, It's okay to love bad games. Uh, <laughs> absolutely absolutely but I, I i i saw that it was really high up there i was like what why is this so high up on twitch why is anybody playing this game right now and it turned out that it was um talon talon was doing a uh how many emblem 180 emblems mm-hmm. uh runs uh, you know the full 100 percent of the game and had been like already 10 hours in or something like that when i tuned in and i was just like whoa this is really cool and the game had come out on like Xbox 360 at one point, and uh, some like some of my college friends, like one of them, had gotten it, and we had just kind of left it out in the living room as like, a, if anybody wants to come in and just go get an A rank on something, you know, when you're waiting for your next class or whatever. Uh, so we would do that, and we actually kind of did a little bit of speed running, and I didn't realize, I didn't know what it was at the time, but we we would try to beat each other on Metal Harbor, mm. we try to beat each other's times, uh, and. The reason that part's important is because when I saw Talon do Metal Harbor, uh, he, he was doing some of the stuff that like we had kind of just figured out, as well as a lot of stuff that we had not figured out. And I was, it was so cool to me. I was like, oh wow, we actually like, you know, we had found a few of these things. This is really fun. Uh, and he had also he was using this like duplication glitch during the Chow breeding part that we had learned about because we wanted to like make uh, Chow a specific way and whatnot. And it was just all like that was kind of when it clicked for me mm. of, oh, hey, I actually really do like the speed or anything. It's just that I need a game that I actually care about. Right. Right. Uh, and from there, I ended up one day just, you know, looking around for you on YouTube or Twitch for Kingdom Hearts stuff and found uh, the Mismaster one and Biscuit 047, uh, who are both fantastic Kingdom Hearts runners. At the time, they were basically trading world record off like every day. <laughs> Uh, for Kingdom Hearts one any percent, and when I saw them do Dragon Maleficent, it w- that was when like it was really okay. I want to. I didn't. I still didn't think I was going to do it, but I I wanted to understand. Yeah, everything about how that worked. I was. I was. That is too cool. I need to understand how this works, and eventually, I just gave it a shot myself. <laughs> no, that you know, honestly, that's that's a great way. Just as sort of a an aside to talk someone into speedrunning. You know, a lot of people, someone says, like, what game should I speedrun? Of course, most people will say, well, speedrun your favorite game. Speedrun a game that you know mm-hmm. you want to play over and over again. Yeah. And uh, that, to me, was one of those things, too, where it's like, not only do you get the opportunity to play your favorite game over and over again, 
But if you've seen runs of that game, you get to understand how it works. Like I know for me, mm. like uh, I did Vice City for a little bit, and I didn't really compete for top times. But the process of learning how all of the stuff works in that was, you know, I think similarly uh, gratifying. Now, how long did it take you to end up that? And also, those two questions maybe: Were you streaming your attempts right away when you were doing Kingdom Hearts? And then also, how long did it really take for you to finally get full? Because I think I, I imagine at that time that's still a oh, what like a three hour run question mark yeah <clears throat> oh yeah it was still over three hours yeah. that was ps3 okay um yeah th- this was like 2014 mm-hmm. um when i kind of found out about speedrunning. like sgdq 2014 is the first event that i saw any amount of i i don't even remember that much from it except that i know i saw the tony hawk block and was just astounded by people beating those games in six mm-hmm. minutes and i know i saw spike vegeta do uh rayman legends <laughs> or origins whichever one it was it was, yeah. it was a rayman game uh at sgq 2014 and I, I remember that being really fun too um but i i actually i i think i technically did like one run offline no real timer like pause to go make dinner and stuff just trying to like just see what i could do not really knowing the strats yet uh but after that i I happened to have a capture card because uh, my roommate and I in college wanted to. Um, we, we ha- it was a TV tuner. <laughs> it wasn't really a capture card. It was a TV tuner because the college like had cable or whatever, and we were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, if we pipe it into the computer, then we can record things, and uh, that that'd be cool." Never actually used it for that purpose once, but uh, <laughs> but we did uh, like we did actually have them. And uh, so there was some weekend, I think, after I'd been watching for months and like talking with a lot of the people in chats and mm-hmm. like getting to know a lot of people in the community, uh, where there was some weekend where my ro- different roommate at this point had uh, was was gone, like for he went home for a weekend or he did something else, and I was just like, you know, I'm going to be bored all weekend. Why don't I try like doing a run of Kingdom Hearts and and streaming? I've got, I think I can do it with the capture card I've got. Turns out I could. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to turn into anything. I, I didn't even think I was going to keep doing more after that. I was just like, oh, I'm curious what I could do. And I, I got like a 337 or something like that on my first run, which was a race. And I won the race. Oh, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> was the other person also new or was that? Uh, they were, they had done Kingdom Hearts speedrunning stuff, but not really much of Kingdom Hearts 1. Okay. And especially not of the like, hd version Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah it's just i had literally been doing nothing but watching that stuff for like three months and trying to learn how it worked to the point of you know going back and like rewatching fights to see exactly what the inputs of things are and it was uh it was just at that point it was so interesting to me that i had so much of it just in my head already Mm So going going forward, so you know you got your first speed run done. So we now we now know what the first game that you ran is. Hmm. Um, I guess the thing I would like to ask, and this is too for people, I guess who are more sort of like publicly involved in things, is how focused were you sort of on the the streaming entertainment aspects of it? I feel like the fact that you, as we established at the beginning of the interview are now you know head of interviews for GDQ indicates that you had some interest in it. So I'm kind of curious how we get from you did a speed run of Kingdom Hearts to head of interviews at GDQ. Yeah. Uh, well, so 
one kind of like thing from in between before I did mm-hmm. when I, after I got into league and before I did uh, streaming was that uh, some friends and I like you know formed a team. We joined like a college tournament and stuff and and had some fun or a tournament at our college, not like intramural kind of thing. Uh, we had some fun and one of the things I really liked was commentating matches. Um, I actually, I guess actually now that I think about it, I had run a stream before that first speed run, but uh, it was on a different channel. It was like, I was running a community night, like community league of legends night uh, stream where I would just commentate matches with somebody else out of this club. And uh, that was really fun. I really liked commentary. I've always liked sports commentators, Mm. Uh, Joe Beninati and um, Craig Lachlan, who are two sports uh, hockey commentators for the Washington Capitals, two legends. I've always loved them. Always loved listening to, to NFL commentary and stuff too. And uh, and I got really into league commentary. I liked a lot of the casters that were doing the big stuff there. So I think that's kind of what translated um, when I did start doing speed running into wanting to be an entertainer, or wanting to be fun. Uh, I also just I tried to think a lot about streams I enjoyed watching and ones that I would turn off, like things that just immediately made me bounce away from it and just kind of tried to find my own thing with what uh, what I enjoyed watching. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm not going to ask know. you I'm not going to ask you to put anyone on blast, but perhaps you could name some of the people <laughs> that you found, you know, inspiring in terms of your approach. Oh, man, it's been so long now. It's actually hard to <laughs> <laughs> hard to remember. Um I, I like from the commentator's side, I always liked um Jat. He was one of the League of Legends commentators. I always liked him a lot. Uh and and Freak, I think, which is probably the most mm-hmm. freak and Rivington, like two of the people that everybody who's in that scene knows. Uh I always liked Skara as a streamer because I thought he was just like very he was he was always like pretty positive about stuff. Even if everything was going into tailspin, he'd just blame himself and like move on. And I thought that was huge. That that was like I realized that I always kept wanting to watch him. And part of that was that he was never just sitting there going like, Oh, my team is so terrible. <laughs> like, oh, I'm awful. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that was it. I, I never enjoyed watching people who would just like blame the game or blame things out of their control. And instead just been like, okay, what could I have learned from that situation? What could I have improved? Uh, people, a lot of like, weirdly, a lot of analytical stuff and not necessarily always as many like, comedy um you know comedic people there mm-hmm. there were some but they don't come to mind as quickly for me no that makes sense i mean i, I think that that's uh it's a good inspiration to draw on that you know it brings in an element of what you're doing with the multiplayer game stuff but also brings in other outside things and you know, obviously you mentioned the sports commentary as well as something that sort of contributed to mm-hmm. you know getting into the more entertainment aspect of, of things how now how did you come specifically to be a, a staff member for gdq uh that one's kind of yeah th- th- that was more just luck than anything i would say mm-hmm. i don't know i uh i i had been doing some speedrun commentary for some like online marathons and uh like spike and i were co- starting to commentate together sometimes at like rpg limit break uh, I had at AGDQ 2015, la- like really last minute, I'd been pulled on to like help do some commentary for the Kingdom Hearts 2 run that was happening there. And across like all of those, I think that uh, just some people had kind of noticed. Um, and I, I'm assuming like Spike was on the interview team before I was on it. And I, I'm assuming he also, you know, put my name out there. 
So when they were looking for somebody new, Darkman, um, Darkman78, who was the one heading up the interview team at that time, uh, like just kind of came to me and said, like, hey, if we, you know, theoretically had an opening on the interview team, would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, it's it sounds really cool, really fun. And uh, and it was. And eventually just kind of over some events from there, it turned into, well, Darkman has a lot of stuff that he's doing. He was doing he does a lot of the social media stuff mm-hmm. and uh, and he needed to kind of loosen his role up a little bit. And so ended up just kind of falling on me um, to to do the head up the interviews. No, that makes sense. I mean, sometimes it's just as as the as the need arises and as things scale, right? You just got to yeah, like put the labor I, in place. Yeah, I, I wish there was some interesting story. You know, <laughs> like oh, well, you see the 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 the, the previous interview lead had been uh, had been felled by the the blade of my father, and yeah. suddenly you know, like <laughs> like something like that. But no, Di- it's, it's died uh, under mysterious circumstances, which will <laughs> never be explained. Yeah, which which nobody will ever <laughs> investigate. No. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, I'm going to call out Richard in chat, uh, who's one of my roommates, a good friend. He uh, he said that I won too many prizes, which is what the joke is uh, for why I became a staff member, because mm. there was like two or three events in a row where I won <laughs> one of the prizes from AGDQ and uh, including the grand prize one of the years, which was super cool. Uh, and that the joke is like, oh, we got to bring him on as staff. So he's ineligible to win the prizes anymore. <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, if there's not an interesting story, perhaps we can get some hot takes here. Uh, what of all the games that you have done runs of? What is your favorite speedrun? Ooh, favorite speedrun. That's hard because I think for me it's a lot about how I'm feeling at the time, like like what I just kind of what I'm in the mood to run. Um, I, in terms of. Uh, I think there's kind of like two answers to that question for me in terms of the most fun I think I've ever had speed running a game. I think that would be portal Two co-op um, portal Two co-op. I've, I've done with two different co-op partners mm-hmm. and it is so fun. <laughs> like we, we never cared too much about getting amazing at like bunny hopping or anything. Uh, but you're just, you're just having fun with a friend of yours the entire time playing a one of the best games of all time like Mm. portal 2 is just a really really good good. game uh and it's just it's just such a a good time i highly encourage anybody to to try out a co-op speedrun it's so fun um in terms of like speedruns that i think are maybe the best uh probably ratchet and clank up your arsenal um that is a really good speed game (laughs) it's got so much movement tech to it uh, the skill ceiling is so unbelievably high. Uh, I wish more people would get into it, especially the kinds of people who, you know, love like SM64 runs and stuff like that, because there is just so much there to um, to speed running Ratchet and Clank, and it's it's just also one of those games that's just really satisfying. It it, it feels like once you learn how to do a few things that the game becomes a sandbox and you can do whatever you want to it. <laughs> yeah, and no, it, I feel like that's really the, that's what do. draws people to SM64 is that sense of a 3D platformer that's truly a sandbox. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's really great, which is funny because like both of those things are not the things that I am known for in mm-hmm. terms of speedrunning. Well, you, but, have, uh, you have such an interesting cross-section of games. You know, when I, when I looked at I, I think maybe 
because I had heard your name unsurprisingly in connection with crash speed running because people keep mm-hmm. saying Hobslide all the time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know that that I had thought of you as crash, and I looked at it and I was like, oh wait a second, there's you know starts at Kingdom Hearts and and goes all sorts of places, but that does mean perhaps a hotter take than favorite speed run is of all of the speed runs that you've done, what is your least favorite? You're like, I tried this, I did a run, probably not going back to it. Ooh, ooh! All right, here I'm gonna I'm gonna break out the splits folder for this one to help me because I. That's interesting. Think- <laughs> a lot of time when I a lot of time when I ask this question, people will open their speedrun.com page. You're getting yeah, the splits I, folder. You're organized, okay? You're not letting yeah. other people do it for you. You got all. You're on top of this. I, I've been bad about uh, submitting all of my runs mm-hmm. I, in the past. Like I, I wish I were better about it. Uh, but it's yeah. But I do tend to make splits for like lots of stuff i run so i i keep them all saved um let's see let's look through here a little bit i i'd say there's one that kind of comes to mind and it's more of like i still love it i still had a lot of fun with it and i think it's really fun for anybody who's a fan of the game but i can't in good conscience call it a good speed run <laughs> like i can only call it a bad speed run because there's just so much randomness mm. involved and that would be final fantasy tactics advance oh. uh, which is God, I love it. I love that game, and I and the speed run is really fun, but it is not good. <laughs> it is there is so much that is just completely taken out of your control, uh, where you just gotta do this thing until you get a certain drop. And you know, if, if all goes well, you have like a thirty percent chance at the final boss, four hours into the run, of being able to like kill the final boss, basically being able to take it out fast enough. Uh, it's it's it, I can't call it a good speed run, even though I love it to death. Um, in, in terms of like other stuff I've tried, I'm, I'm trying to look at this and see if there's anything really that is one that I would just like because I'll I'd still play FFTA. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. But I, I feel like there's got to be there's some game that I probably would just never do again. Um, and for me, that game is probably um, Super Mario Sunshine because casually oh, no. I think it's a terrible game, but. Uh, <laughs> But speedrun wise, I do think it's a good speedrun. That's the problem. It's just not not for me. Um, but I do think it's a really good and interesting speedrun to watch mm-hmm. at the high level. I just think it's a terrible game. But it's a, hey, there's a lot of great speedruns of terrible games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's true. There, that is sometimes speedrunning has a has a way of uh, of 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 uh, you know put, put bringing a game in, in, <laughs> into a different light. I, I know that's definitely happened to me with some. What about a game that you would like to speedrun, uh, but you either you know you haven't gotten around to it because of time reasons, or it just doesn't fit with mm. what you're doing right now? Ooh, um, I think I'd love to to do more of the um, the Spider Man uh, like Spider Man PS4 and PS5 runs, um, like the Spider Man 2018 and uh, and Miles Morales, but they the they don't have like they have some unskippable cutscenes that cause kind of a pacing problem i think um and yeah they're just not they don't really fit as much with what i'm doing right now uh i've kind of started to dabble into it a little bit but dark souls 3 is one that i would potentially learn actually properly like learn the strats and do the speed run for as as opposed to what i've done now which is just kind of do a like mostly glitchless kind of mm-hmm. run uh, I just have so much fun playing that game. <laughs> it's it's just a really good game, and it's it's fun to to run through it. 
Uh, I think Hollow Knight is also. I started to learn that for for um, Keyser on and I's show the uh, the first step first where step, we yeah. did like a we did a second step bonus season where we we kind of like revisited some games and Hollow Knight's a really cool one. That would be a fun one to to learn more of. Uh, same with Celeste. I think that would be one that would would also be like I, I've dipped my toes into Celeste and gotten like a sub hour time and any percent stuff. But that's another one of those games where. You know the skill ceiling is so high up there. You could spend so much time on it. And I'm, I mean, after watching Peking Boo, you're probably just inspired to get pads <laughs> and do it with your feet, yeah. right? Got to go buy the arcade <laughs> cabinet, and then uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's do it. But no, there's I don't know. There's so many good, so many good speed games out there. I, I'm sure there are like so many more as well that I'm not that just aren't coming to mind right now that I would totally love to do. I, like Galaxy, I I learned Galaxy some and super mario galaxy that is uh mm-hmm. and that's such a good run I, again it's just kind of like a little on the longer side with a little bit too much downtime for me but it's it, when you are doing it it's really really fun <laughs> so it sounds like you've had the opportunity to handle a lot of different uh input devices controllers mouse and keyboard and all that uh, and so sometimes i will ask uh for your controller takes uh what are mm. your favorite and least favorite controllers <clears throat> okay uh the two worst ones in like in order from worst to second worst are the n64 controller and the gamecube controller get them out of here they're both terrible uh, they're, they're they're awful the best controller uh honestly maybe the dual sense controller the oh, ps5 yeah? one it's you, really you have good. a ps5 i do i did okay. i was fortunate enough to get one so i've got like this right here mm-hmm. it's pretty good i really like it because if you had asked me like a few months ago, I would have said the DualShock 4, which this one I actually have a back pedal attachment Ooh. onto. Um, but the DualShock 4 is really good. My only ever complaint that I've ever had with it really is that the uh, the start and select buttons are like flush to the controller. Yeah, it is weird. Which, which makes it a little hard if you need to skip cutscenes like to be able to do it very quickly. And they're not flush on the DualSense. So it okay. it feels very similar, but with that one thing that I had a problem with fixed. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. There were one of those, I've always loved the, the DualShock design mm-hmm. ever since I was a kid. So I think uh, DualShock 4 or DualSense, one of those two controllers. Interesting. I, I have not had the, the chance to handle one of those myself uh, just yet, mm-hmm. but uh, kind of good to hear. I'm kind of glad to hear that people, it's always good to hear that people like the new thing because like, you feel there's a certain inevitability, for me at least, like I'm a big Final Fantasy fan. So at some point, I'm probably going to own a PS5. <laughs> right. I just I have to accept it. Uh, but so I'm, I'm glad to hear that that, that people like it. Uh, yeah. I also, I, I'll give like honorable mentions mm-hmm. to Wii plus Nunchuck, like specifically in that configuration. That, again, back to like running Galaxy. It is really comfy to be able to just sit back and just like you could put your hands in kind of whatever position, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, you're you're laying them in your lap. You've got a you're relaxed, like back behind, you know, hands behind your head, lay, leaning back. Not having your hands tied to the same thing is uh, is actually really comfy. It's pretty nice. So you don't feel like the, the motion control is a deal breaker for you having to do the whip for the extra jump? I don't love it. Okay. I, I don't. I don't completely hate. It. I hate anytime you got to use the pointer more than I hate mm. like having to do the the thing. I, I still wish that you could just put it on a button. I definitely yeah. don't love it, but it is really comfortable just being able to hold two things. Like if the Joy Cons were like three times as big as they are, because I I'm in they're big so hands, small. <laughs> they're so tiny. Those would probably be like uh, up there with some of my yeah. favorites, but they're just way too small. 
God, yeah, I don't, I don't get the only. I think the only time I ever used them was for Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle. That was oh, like, yeah. all right, they're tiny, but like I don't have to worry about hitting buttons quickly, so I can just do the the two separate. But I, I hear what you're saying <laughs> there. That definitely can be nice to just really spread out. Yeah, too. yeah, it, it's pretty. Especially you know, you can go like lay on a couch or something. It's just you don't have to don't have to feel kind of locked into one position. Now, on the note of controllers, uh, one question I like to ask, uh, just because. You know, I, I interview a wide variety of people, mm-hmm. all ages, uh, different games, and I like to get a sense of your thoughts about health in gaming, uh, usually with either, you know, hands and wrists and taking care of them, or also just being sedentary, sitting down. Uh, is there anything that you do uh, to kind of act you know, as a preventative measure? Yeah, um, I'm pretty fortunate that the hand and wrist thing hasn't really ever been a problem for me. I imagine part of that is just from even as a kid being into programming, I, you know, typed a lot, probably just got pretty used to it. Uh, but I, I've been doing a thing for the last, I'd say probably close to a year now or so, uh, where I'll just, unless I am like in a actively in a speed run or like a kingdom Hearts two randomizer or something, uh, every hour to 90 minutes, I'll get up and go, you know, just stretch, like get some water, go to the bathroom, whatever it has helped a lot. Cause yeah, I think, especially the older you get, the more it starts, you start really feeling it. If you're sitting down for like three hours straight and it's like, ah, you know, I kind of want to get up, especially if you're not in the most comfortable chair. Uh, and it's been really nice. I kind of, it makes me want to run games that are just an hour long, just so I can be like, do a run, get up take a break, come back, do a run, get up. It's Hades runs are perfect for that, by the way, Mm -hmm. like Hades, uh, not actually speed running because you could probably do it way way faster if you're doing that. <laughs> but but just like as you kind of get better at Hades and you start clearing most of your attempts, uh, those can be perfect for it. It's like okay, do it. Talk to everybody back in the house and then get up and take a quick break. Yeah, no, I, I really hear you too. I I, I almost I, I hate to couch it in terms of being about health, but like there when I got into speed running, I was like I can do a three hour speed run. This is fine. And now, you know, it's like, no, hour or less, <laughs> I got to get up and do something like we can't. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is I'll still do runs that are like, you know, multiple hours long. And I've, I've, I've done like, what's the, I've done like a 44 hour stream before. So like, that was not the healthiest thing. Mm-hmm. That was brutal. But, uh, just the older I've gotten stuff, the more I've just been like, it's so nice to just get up and take breaks. It's something you kind of worry about when you're streaming of just like okay well if i'm not actively doing things are people going to leave immediately uh and you know i gotta hang on to those viewers and stuff like that but after a certain point i think it's worth just being like forget that mentality if they want to leave they want to leave whatever but if they're gonna stay hopefully they will uh because you just you gotta take care of yourself Mm, yeah (laughs) well there's no sense destroying yourself to you know to hold on to a few extra people like that yeah uh, so you just mentioned something that is uh, speedrunning adjacent. I feel like you, you'll get very spicy takes about the extent to which randomizers fit into the domain of speedrunning. Uh, <laughs> right. I want to ask, what sort of randomizers have you done? Uh, and do you have any you know, th- like thoughts about what, what you want from randomizers? Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Like what you want from randomizers. I think that's pretty big. Uh, I... The first randomizer I did, I think, 
if I'm remembering correctly, was Ori in the Blind Forest, hmm. um, which is really good. And if anybody likes that game and wants to check out the rando, orirando.com, because it is really, really good uh, and like unbelievably fun to do as well. Um, and what I get out of that one that I really like is is kind of the whole puzzle of like figuring out uh, what is your next. Like, what is everything that is available to you with the skills that you have? And I think Metroidvania is, in particular, really mm. good about that. And the same kind of reason that, like, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past is really good, because it's it's very much about the more skills you get, the more things get unlocked to you. Um, it's It's kind of this balancing act of you have to immediately be able to identify everything that's available to you. And then on the fly, route what you think is the most efficient path through all of those places in terms of what's going to give you the highest likelihood of being done with the, the, the speed run, you know, done with the seed as quickly as possible, or at least what is going to be what's going to get you closer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you might have this whole plan in your head and on the way something changes and you have to reroute it all on the fly. So I love the routing aspect for most randomizers. Um, I think it is really fun. There's kind of almost like there, there's like a hint of gambling to it, to a degree <laughs> of uh, like, there really is there. It's you, you have to kind of know what is going to be your best odds at play. And if you're in a race, if you think, you know, okay, I'm up against this opponent who I think is better than me at this game and at this randomizer so if i follow all of the best percentage plays they're just going to do the same thing but faster than me and they're going to win uh and so it can be really cool to be like well i'm going to do the opposite (laughs) i'm going to take the lower percentage play because i think if everything goes right i lose uh and if and if something goes wrong then i end up winning like if something goes wrong for the the other person uh and i get a low percentage odds you know, victory, then that's, then I played it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's cool too. That's more of about the racing part, I guess, than, than randomizer itself. But uh, yeah, the uh, just on the fly routing is really fun. Uh, and the, there's, there's the other aspect of randomizers and this kind of comes into play more in kingdom hearts Two rando, which is knowing how to most efficiently use the tools at your disposal in order to like dispatch enemies or to, uh, to you know traverse the terrain uh fastest and that's also fun to me it's that's probably second place to me over the routing part i think that's that's the more fun aspect uh that i like thinking about but there is also the like okay well i know i can save three more seconds because i have this skill that i don't normally have in this area uh you know like if i use quick running up this hill rather than gliding like it'll be better um, that's also really fun. I think that, that's another good thing to to look for in randomizers. No, I think that's a really really compelling answer because uh, you know I, I think it, let's say you love a game's tool set, but if you want to show up and and route link to the past, I got bad news. Some people have done it already. <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah. But but if it's something where where you can you know you can take that randomized seed and what the elements are that are randomized and uh, you know and be able to apply those lessons on the fly. Uh, which you know, if you have a set of tools you really, really like, you know, that's going to be an opportunity to do that. And I think that is a really mm-hmm. strong argument, especially you know. For, I think 
I, I'm one of those people who tends to live in the world of really weird games or games that people haven't run. And I'm like, oh, I really enjoy routing. And I, I never think like, oh, man, maybe this means I would enjoy randomizers. But I think that is, <laughs> you know, again, yeah. in terms of you put it, that is uh, a very compelling uh, thing. Now, are there any yeah. games that do not have a randomizer where you're like, damn, I need this, but Ooh. random? Kingdom Hearts 1, I think, would be a really fun randomizer. Um it, it doesn't, and it probably won't for a very long time, if ever. <laughs> I've just heard that game is a lot harder to mod than the second mm-hmm. one. Um, that is something I would I would love to see. Uh, I, I've tried to think of like what would a Crash Bandicoot randomizer be like. Uh, like I think you could do it with Crash Three, the best out of the original trilogy, just because it, it has all the power ups that you can get. Um, so you could try to like find ways to traverse. But the problem, the reality of the situation is that there's some spots where it would just be like you can't traverse without this skill or you can do all of the, these levels. They're just going to be way slower and less fun. Um, so it's hard to say. I, I don't know. There've been so many randomizers made now. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, I, I'm honestly surprised. I, I feel like the, you know, link to the past, I think was the one that I'd always heard about for years. And I saw some people do Ocarina of time. And so I was like, Oh, well it's just really for the really popular games. But now, you know, I feel like every time I turn around, I see resident evil, uh, Ori, as you mentioned, you know, so forth. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, it's impressive the work that people get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's really cool. Um, I wonder, Mark of the Ninja might be cool with a randomizer. Um, I, I, but I, I, I don't know enough about that game. It's just mm-hmm. that that is a speed run that I wish got more live love. It's a really fun one. Um, I, mm, I don't know. I also did realize another, another thing on your earlier question about like what do I look for in a randomizer. Mm. I think that one of the other biggest things that makes a randomizer fun in the, is the same thing that makes uh like competitive team games fun and stuff like that in terms of every time you go in it's not the same like it's you, you get to do this thing that you're pretty good at or at least you, you think you're pretty good at or maybe you're just you just have fun doing but it's different every time you do it and that means you get a different experience out of it every time and so i think that there are times where you can have randomizers where as they start to, as people start to find the optimal kind of paths to them, they it's like you're kind of saying before about uh, you know link to the past or whatever. It's just like it's kind of routed at that point. If it starts to get to the point where you're always doing the same thing every time, that's when I have way less fun with a randomizer. Uh, and it, I think a, a lot of communities are good about starting to introduce more settings or more ideas and change the game more if they start to run into those problems. Uh, but yeah, I, it's hard for me to think of a game that doesn't have a randomizer that I that I wish did though, other than Kingdom Hearts One. Like mm-hmm. that is that's a big one for me. Until recently, I would have said Kingdom Hearts Two also, but you know. But then it, it happened. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's it's good. It's, it's a real fun one. All right, let's get let's get a quick, broad, open ended question here. Uh, and I feel like you might have hinted at, at this before, but when it comes to speedrunning, I'm gonna let you answer this one of two ways. Do you feel like you have a mission statement in speedrunning, or can you otherwise describe the point or appeal of speedrunning hmm. for you? Interesting. Um, I don't know if I have a mission statement with speedrunning. Uh, I, I think that the point or an appeal of it to me is uh, one one of the ways, and it it's because it's probably because I really enjoy racing people even more so than just like doing my own attempts a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, it's taking a single player experience and making it multiplayer. Even if you are just playing alone, 
you are suddenly you're competing against yourself, but you're also com- you know competing on the leaderboards against everybody else in the world. It, it, so it takes a single player experience, makes a multiplayer, adds a ridiculous skill cap to practically any game, um, and adds like new ways to learn about this game that you thought you were you've gotten everything out of before. <laughs> Uh, and that is what's really cool to me. That's what I always liked about playing League or or Dota or TF2 or any of those kinds of team games is that there's so much to like learn about them mm-hmm. and and try to work on improving and and just have fun with. And speedrunning it lets you take okay, well here's this game that I loved as a kid and would love to play more, but it would just be the same every time. And suddenly now you can find new ways to enjoy it more things to learn about that game. Um, I, I think it's like a lot of games like Dark Souls and stuff like that that have different weapon playthroughs or different, you know, New Game Plus playthroughs are very similar in that regard and why sometimes people play those games for so much longer, even if they don't speedrun, they might play it way longer than just some other single-player game that they like just as much. And it's just because you they get to learn more about that game, <laughs> Le- learn more about it and get to play it in a totally different way. I think that is what makes speedrunning great is uh, and not to mention the community involvement mm-hmm. of like you're everybody is doing it collaboratively, even while you're also competing against each other. Like it's it's really fun in that regard. You're, you're always lifting other people up. Yeah, um, no, it, it is really point. neat. The, the sort of the, the iterative process has both the collaborative and the competitive element. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it comes together to sort of form the run, right? Among other yeah. things, all the other by all the other byproducts, like having lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a certain part of it at the end of the day too. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just fun to do. Well, so one of the things that I do when I prep for these these interviews is that I usually will watch a few runs of the runner. Particularly, I will uh, usually look at marathon vods. Uh, and so, going off of that, the three that I watched were. Mm-hmm. The Crash Bandicoot Three Warped Insane Trilogy at AGDQ 2018. Mm-hmm. I watched the uh, these Turf Wars from Spider Man 2018 at GDQX, an event that I was at. And after oh, yeah. I, <laughs> after I went to that event, I said, "Wow, I would love to travel to more events next year." Mm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, I maybe, watched. Yeah, yeah, still holding out hope. <laughs> holding out. Uh, and and then I and then I uh, the last was the. Um, was Kingdom Hearts 2016 at RPG Limit Break? Yeah, I figured that was yeah. going to be the other one. <laughs> that was it was a, it was a good. It was an old old time. It was a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, specifically with Crash Bandicoot Three, uh, I wanted to get the story. I mentioned before that I had associated you with Crash because I had heard the term hobsliding. Mm-hmm. Before we get to that story, how did you get into Crash Bandicoot speedrunning? Uh, yeah, Crash Bandicoot speedrunning was. Uh, Let's see. The the Ensign trilogy was coming out, and um, I, th- I think actually it had already come out. And uh, Spike Vegeta, myself, used Pizza, and K. Rulius, um, all just kind of decided to do a blind race of the entire trilogy. Um, like all of us had had different amounts of experience playing the original games. I had never played Crash One. I had bre- like barely remembered playing some amount of Crash Two. I had known I had played in Crash Three. Spike played a lot of Crash 2 and not the other two. Like the, Everybody had different amounts of experience. Uh, a few months after it came out, we did a, a blind race of it, and it was so fun. Um, it was just like really, really cool. And I think that like I just kind of kept going a little after that. It kind of reminded me how much I enjoyed Crash 3 when I was a kid. 
Uh, I think Spike was going at the same time. And it's. I think it's, there's always something that can help you get more into a game when you've got one other person that you're just like also doing it with at the same time, whether you're racing them or you're, you're trading PBs back and forth mm-hmm. as you each keep improving. That is really fun. It's some of the most fun I tend to have when I like want to actually get better at a game. And uh, yeah, Spike was still doing a bunch of, a bunch of uh, crash. I was still doing a bunch of it. And as I got like better and better at the game and it, I was having more fun, I was starting to see like, okay, I think I could actually get like pretty decent. A lot of that was before I ever learned any strats. Like it, uh, most of it was just, I just kept playing the game and trying to get faster every time. And then I started to look into some of the strats. Uh, there were some really cool things like, uh, mock tornadoes are in um, Crash Three. That is, that was kind of the main speed tech, but you don't get it until like halfway, actually uh, three fifths through the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a really cool boss skip on Entropy, and uh, I just kind of kept going and was having some fun with it. And then eventually, you know, I found hobsliding, and that, <laughs> uh, that made it stick around even longer. I think so. Did you know that you were onto something right away? Like, how? Because this is like one of those questions, right? This is like, who's the principal author on a scientific paper? Like, why did mm-hmm. why does this person get their name on it? How, <laughs> how did it? How did this happen that you became the namesake of the Hobslide? Uh, yeah. So, for anybody who doesn't know what it is, real quick, mm-hmm. just Hobsliding is this uh, technique in um, Crash Insane Trilogy and Crash Bandicoot Two and Three, where you basically you do a slide. The the main movement for most of the run was just slide, spin, slide, spin, slide, spin, one after the other constantly. And you would honestly, like in Crash 2, most of the optimization would be trying to reduce wherever you had to jump, <laughs> just so you could always be slide spinning. And uh, I uh, like I, what hopsliding is, is you basically do a slide spin jump and land on a ledge right before your spin fully ends. Something about that interaction causes you to get some extra speed. If after that point, if you continue to chain slide spins such that there is no frame in between where you're ever not sliding or spinning, uh, then you will just carry that speed all the way, like just until you have to jump or until you Mm. you drop that chain. Uh, I actually found it on stream, which was how it kind of, you know, got named after me. I, I was trying to come up with a name of it. My chat came up with hobsliding. <laughs> and so I, like, I try to take no credit over naming it. Like I'm not, I'm not that conceited. I, it's just, I know every time, every time I find a trick, stuck. I call it the PMC well, something, something. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, and I, I don't know if maybe that's part of, part of uh, why it was like that is that in kingdom hearts, we had a, a, a tradition of like a lot of, a lot of skips that were named after people. Um, like there was like mist jump and, uh, there was a Hobbs jump in Kingdom Hearts that only I ever used. Um, <laughs> there, there was a lot of stuff that was named after people, and uh, I, I don't know if that's what came, what people, why people came up with it or or not. But uh, it, yeah, it, it just kind of stuck. And thankfully, there was I got like a clip of uh, from when I found it. It was I, very quickly I knew I was onto something. To answer that part of your question. Okay. It, yeah, it was one of those where I was just practicing the movement in a specific spot for a level just to try to get better at it. And this was after the game had already been accepted. Into, uh, it was either after it had already been accepted into AGDQ 2018 or it was like after I had submitted it, but it hadn't necessarily been accepted mm-hmm, yet. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which. Um, 
And so I was just like practicing, trying to get better at it in case got in. And uh, I just kept noticing while I was practicing this one thing, this like that I was weirdly getting this like speed boost on this log. And I was like, why is that happening? And eventually I, I just worked it out and I started to do the chain thing. And this, this was on PS4. It was 30 FPS. It's actually like easier to do on PC um, at oh. 60 FPS. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it was like twice as hard to do basically on, uh, on PS4. And as I found it, I was like, this is going to be really hard to do. But very quickly, I was already starting to get some of these chains where I was like, this is going to change everything about this run <laughs> um, for at least any level where you can do it. And it probably saved like a minute and a half, two minutes, like on theory, even when we were bad at it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, now, yeah. Yeah. And now you can do them in, in a lot of places. They're really cool. Yeah. No, it was neat. You know, it, it's interesting, too, especially from watching that that AGDQ 2018 run that I think even then, um, you know, but so much so much about the trick was being conveyed in terms of this the advantage gained but also the difficulty you know things mm-hmm. like that so it was, it was definitely really interesting to watch i also wanted to ask about uh did you have any takeaways from the experience of being an agdq opener <laughs> uh it was cool being on the pre-show and being the opener <laughs> kind of sucked <laughs> i'll be honest <laughs> it, like like it was weird because um uh, you know, if you're if you're a runner at the event leading up to the run, you're probably just wanting to practice mm-hmm. or at least get warmed up. Uh, make sure that everything about the setup is working, like you can hear everything great. You, you know, n- nothing is is a problem. When we go from the pre-show to the opening, there's no like, m- there's no more setup. You're you're just going. Um, so that I, what i remember what i tend to remember about that run is how bad at hobsliding i was for the entire run and i i couldn't figure out why i i still don't really know but there was something about that setup uh that was just different from how from what my setup was at home that i had such trouble like adjusting to um and i i wish i had spent more time like the day before just sitting down and doing runs on it, but we were constantly rehearsing the pre-show or doing, you know, mm. something else. So being the opener was really cool in that, you know, that you're going to get a bunch of people in the room and you get to, to try to set the cadence for the week and just put on a, a good show to, to kick things off. Like that was really fun. And I will forever love doing it for that reason. Uh, but yeah, going from the pre-show to that directly made it like, I wish I had been able to kind of just tell, Oh, well, you know, the game volume's a little too loud and, I'm too much of a perfectionist with the actual mm, like yeah. performance part of it that I, I don't want to do like a, a production direction live once we're already going, which is dumb. I should have done it. I should have just been like, Hey, can we turn the volume down? Right, so just a little can't more game thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, th- that all of that made it a little bit weird, it, but it was kind of uniquely weird. I think mm-hmm. being an opener is really cool overall. Now, do you have another thing I like to ask when I, when I zero in on these specific games is, uh, is is this something that you've kept up with the crash stuff? Like, do you have any future plans? Because I know Crash Bandicoot Four came out recently, and so I'm just curious if you were, you know, running that at all, or had any other future crash related speedrunning plans. Yeah, I've done I've done some amount of Crash Four runs. Uh, we did it for the first step. We brought it back for the second step as well. And uh, I did some just kind of did some runs on my own. Um, where I, I had a lot of fun with it. it. It's probably, I think, the best casual crash game. Um, and speedrunning, it's also still fun. It has a lot of like cool stuff to it. It's got a lot of out-of-bounds skips as well. 
it's I think it's just a little kind of on the longer side mm. for uh, a platformer. Um, something Spike Vegeta once kind of said that I've stolen um, is that platformers kind of they're, they're really the sweet spot is, you know, that like 30 minutes to an hour, like right around there. They're great. Um, and longer than that, they kind of start to overstay their welcome a little bit, uh, even if they're a fantastic game and a fantastic speed run. I think that's kind of the only reason I haven't like dove super deep on Crash 4 uh, is just that it, it overstays its welcome a little bit for me. Um, but overall, I think it's a great game. I, I'm sure one day I'll go back to Crash 3. Uh, I still I kind of want to make like a full fledged, like super advanced tutorial for that game. Um, so I don't know, maybe one day I'll finally get that done, but, uh, I I'm sure I'll go back to it at some point. I I'm not somebody who believes in like retiring from speed running or retiring mm-hmm. from a game. It's just like, if you want to play it, go back and play it. If you, if you don't, then whatever you, then you don't, it's yeah. whatever you get kind of in the mood for. So I also wanted to, now the other game series I mentioned, I watched in the kingdom hearts marathon vod now we've already talked a lot about kingdom hearts because it you know came up on how you got into speed running came up mm-hmm. in terms of the randomizers uh but i did want to ask that similar question with with kingdom hearts i know the answer is probably kingdom hearts 2 randomizer uh what's what's up with you in kingdom hearts right now going <laughs> forward uh well this is this is perfect because it gives me a chance to Ooh. to plug something yes Ooh, please you know the, 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 the classic podcast guest move uh but um, so Spike Vegeta and I, and I have an event uh, called the Possibly Bad League, which mm-hmm. spans an entire year. We do special endurance races once a month, uh, and we we kind of we put them into four quarters and we split them up by series. So this uh, we're in season two now, and this first quarter is all about Kingdom Hearts. So we did like a Kingdom Hearts two rando cutscene percent and. Uh, we did a Kingdom Hearts 1 Jiminy's Journal 100% race, which was fun. That lasted like nine hours. Uh, and at the end of this month, we're doing a a race of the entire series, minus the two that are movies and minus the rhythm game that came out after we planned it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but pretty much the entire series. Well, the, the two that are movies on PS4, I assume is... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yeah, we're, we, like, we're basically playing all the, the whole like collection of... Mm-hmm all of the games that you could get when KH3 came out mm-hmm. um, on a PS4. Yeah. And uh, so we're, we're going to be doing a race of that entire series. And some of that includes games I've literally never played before. <laughs> so the rest of this month is kind of playing those games, trying to uh, watch and take notes from the, the runs for all of them, just to take, like have some idea of what we're doing. We're not looking to be like super perfect right. or polished at these by any means. Uh, but it's probably going to take us like 28 hours over two days or something. If we're lucky, just basically a kingdom hearts title in itself. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of what's next with kingdom hearts, but, uh, I don't know. I'd love to, to get back to cage one running at some point that it's just a, it's very nostalgic for me being the first game I got into and I haven't done it. And I, I don't think, I think my PB is from like, 2017 or something mm-hmm. um and it was kind of one of those where like it came out on ps4 and i just got a pb for ps4 never really like yeah pushed it super hard or anything so i don't know i think it could be fun to to get back into it at some point we'll we'll see <laughs> all right but, well, you know, well so for, 
Yeah, randomizer. <laughs> right, yeah. For the other VOD that I watched, you already answered the question about what are you going to do next with Spider-Man running, which is, you know, you're going to think about Miles Morales probably, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get into running Spider-Man 2018? Um, so when, so actually back, uh, before I had a PS4, when, uh, I was, you know, just getting into Kingdom Hearts speed running and stuff, uh, I just kind of assumed like, oh, I'll eventually get a PS4 if they release KH3 on it. Uh, and then the trailer came out for Spider-Man, you know, Marvel Spider-Man 2018. And, uh, at the same time, I think that like either, yeah, they, they had announced the, uh, Ratchet and Clank, uh, remake, uh, that came out in 2016. And at that time I was like, I thought I was going to get a PS4 because of, of kingdom hearts three, but I'm going to get it because of insomniac games. Cause they are so damn good at making video games. Uh, and they were the ones who did Spider-Man and they were the ones who did ratchet and clank. And, uh, just, I saw that, that trailer. And I remember just seeing the like kind of parkour movement that, uh, that Spider-Man was doing inside the building. And I was like, all right, I'm buying this game and I'm not watching a single thing about the trailer. Any like, I'm not watching anything about this game until it is out at this point. Um, and I just played it and I just loved moving around in that game. Mm-hmm. And the story itself was also really good. I highly recommend anybody play this game because in 2018, um, like my, if I had to pick a game of the year, it was hard for me to pick between Spider-Man and Celeste. Um, cause they both they just both came out in the same year and I hadn't played some of the other ones that, that got up there, but, uh, it, it's just a really good game. It has a really great movement and it has a lot of combat tools that I think people tend to kind of ignore that um, if you delve into them, just give you that perfect variety of of combat. It feels very Kingdom Heartsy to me in terms of we have all of these tools at our disposal. Let's figure out how to use literally all of them mm-hmm. um, at, to, for the best effect. And uh, yeah, it, it's just great. I, I'd also played like Batman Arkham City, and you know the combat style is very pulled like very inspired from the the arkham games and i'd love that so when i saw that the the like combat style was gonna be very similar i, I knew it was gonna be into it and yeah just after playing it i, I just kept going <laughs> just kept playing it for a while and the dlc came out and turf wars is is a really good like 30 minute run um that's just high intensity action pretty much the whole time and it's it's really fun yeah, you know, that was something I, I wanted to ask about specifically, too, because I, I find that a lot of these open world games that have, I'm, I'm in, this is, you know, I'm a fan of this. I did a Just Cause 3 speedrun at yeah. DQ. <laughs> Surprise. I like open world Great games. Run, movement. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and so I found myself often that the, the main game run will just be too long. You know, for a lot of these yeah. games, you look at, and it's true with, the Just Cause series or Watch Dogs or, or a lot of these games will just end up with these three hour runs because you'll be you'll have very slow set pieces or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. that'll really hold you back. Um, and so a lot of times the DLC campaigns end up being uh, that perfect sort of length. And, you know, certainly here I watched your Turf Wars run for, for GDQX 2019. Um, do you have any sort of take about that? Like, what does that say, say about these games? I, I'm just curious. I'm going to put that question out there for you. I don't know if yeah. I, even, if I even have an idea of what you would answer. Yeah. The, the, the take I'd say for that is, um, is that I wish more AAA games would, uh, would just give you on uns- or give you skippable cutscenes, 
even though like I'm assuming most of the time the case is that they they are doing fantastic feats of engineering to play this like interesting cinematic to you that you know like that people crafted a story around uh while simultaneously loading the rest of the game in the background but for speedrunning purposes like I'd rather sit through a, a 4 second black loading screen than a 50 second cutscene you know, the first top playthrough, I'm still going to watch that cutscene. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm going to skip it on my first time around. But every time after that, I might want to skip it. And I think that honestly does a lot of it. Uh, there, there's some of those games where it really is just that is just how many missions they have that give, makes it super long. But a lot of them, it's it's like those slower sequences where they slow you down so they can get some more loading in, or or they just they want to tell the story in a way that is right. like immersive so it, it goes seamlessly from gameplay to, to story or you still kind of have control during this cinematic set piece and it's like those are really cool but i would love to have just a mode uh e- either a separate mode or just a setting or whatever where i can skip those to just keep moving um keep in- enjoying mm-hmm. the, the parts of the game that are always going to be enjoyable every time uh I, I really think that's like the only answer and it sucks because that's it's something kind of out of our control. Yeah. It, it, it's either that or you just like this is kind of one of the weird things with speedrunning of um, Ocarina of Time. Like the, the popular kind of categories for that game, like the, the stuff that people tend to remember about that are the very glitch heavy categories, right? Um, like just any percent and, and dungeon stuff where people can kind of do things way out of order and whatnot. And you think about those and how if if, uh, if that game had like totally skippable cutscenes, a lot of that maybe would have never been found, <laughs> right? Uh, so, some of the the like draw to that game may have never existed if there wasn't this forced limitation that probably lots of people didn't like. <laughs> um, so I think the other way around that kind of problem with a lot of AAA games is I wish more people speed ran them because they there would be more incentive to there'd be more eyeballs on it trying to find ways around these cutscenes and these big slow like sections and that would reduce the time and make it a more digestible game and, and make it a lot of fun uh like even with spider-man there's a lot of cool skips for some of the the forced sections that are mostly due to one glitch hunter who doesn't really do runs but finds all of this really cool stuff and I think that like just more I wish more games had uh had big enough communities to reliably find that kind of those kinds of skips, you know. Yeah, that kind of labor is invaluable. Like truly, you know, there is what that one thing that you know that can really tear a game apart and it, it helps get around you know just the sort of things that we're complaining about in terms of walking segments, unskippable cutscenes, uh so forth and so on. But no, that's about right. I think that that it's pretty much the the takeaway for for that kind of thing. Uh, it's a but, bummer because man, there's you know. so many great like speed runs in those games, but even even the people that love them and run it don't you know want to would probably prefer if it were a little bit shorter if they could just keep all of the elements that they love about it. So it's yeah, it's a bummer because I, I wish more of those games kind of got more in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just got to keep searching for stuff, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, that'd be you know other games or or tech or whatever have you. Mm. Uh, things do get slower over, over time eventually, or shorter, I should say. Um, but I want to start winding down the proper interview script 
words sort of towards the exit questions as I enunciate. Uh, one of the things I like to do is to include some connective tissue between interviews where I get a question from my previous guest for my next guest. Ooh. And so my okay. previous guest was Peking Boo, uh, who Wait. had this question to hand off, which was, if you had to choose one speed game for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, wow. <clears throat> huh. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one speed game. That's really difficult. I, I think the, the trick there... The, the kind of like the the real way to think about that mm. that question is not what game do I love so much that I could run it endlessly, but actually what game has the most like variety of interesting categories? Mm. Because if you have more stuff to bounce between within the same game, you'll be able to keep it fresh a lot longer. Because um, otherwise, you know, like like Ratchet and Clank up your arsenal i mentioned is is a fantastic game and that that kind of popped into my head right away but there's kind of really like three categories for that game four technically any percent all platinum or all titanium bolts and uh new game plus and then there's 100 percent, which i think is really fun but is is not run by nearly as many people um i feel like i would get a little bit like bored of that pretty quickly i i might say something like hades Cause there's just like, there's so many ways to run that game, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Celeste kind of comes to mind also, not just because peaking boo, but like, again, there's just so much content there. You're going to, you could do any percent, you could do farewell, you could do all a sides, you could do all B sides, all C sides, all red berries, hundred percent. Like you have a lot of stuff that you could do in that, um, in that game to keep your interest for a long time. In the same regard, like Kingdom Hearts is kind of up there just because you could also do, um, especially with Kingdom Hearts 2, there's like your any percent, your all worlds, your Jimmy's Journal 100%, true 100%. You've got uh, uh, the data organization fights at level one. You have all the different difficulties are all different categories. I think for me, it would be more about finding the variety. So maybe I kind of cheated there and picked a bunch of games. Uh, I'll try to I'll, I'll try to actually stay constrained and pick one. Um, yeah, screw it. Let's pick Hades. Right. I, no, that's a good, that's, that's the hot answer anyway, cool. right? Plus, it's that's, still getting updates, so that's mm, kind of cheating true. too. No, no you don't know you don't know where the content will end. Right now, that does mean that I do need from you a question for my next guest who I, I will tell you is a speedrunner. They are going to be okay. on this podcast. Not going to tell you anything else just yet. Okay. Question doesn't have to be about speedrunning. Could be anything. Gotcha. But hmm. speedrunner is going to answer the question. Hmm. So so Peking Boo didn't know it was me either before no, uh did not. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Oh man. Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying to think of a good good question. So it can be, you know, it can be straightforward like that. It could also be silly. Like past questions have been uh mix two consoles together to make a new console. What would you do? Uh oh, you know, cool. things like that and you know, it's just sort of creative sort of icebreaker questions almost, you know. So you can really right. travel universe with this one. Uh can I at least know if it's somebody who's kind of been doing speedrunning for a while or they maybe like newer to the scene? I would say they've been doing speedruns for a few years. Okay. Uh, then I think what I'd ask them is uh, what 
what is like one major tip they would give themselves when they started speed running um, as you know, if, if they could, if they could go back mm-hmm. and tell themselves like one piece of advice related to speed running or streaming or whatever, um, what would they tell them? Like how would, how would they take those years of experience okay. and, and try to help them out, help themselves out. <laughs> so the, 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 the trick here are, oh, let me make sure I write that down. So what would be, the uh, one piece of advice you would give uh, to yourself just starting speedrunning. Yeah, and I, I'm keep, kind of keeping that in the world of speedrunning. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's your tip? Avoiding tilt or, you know, like, is it around avoid, around being able to avoid tilt or, or uh, around like, oh, jump into this game immediately because that's the one you have fun with or something, you know, like, right, I feel right, like right. there's maybe hoping there's some some different ways to go about that one. All right, so usually what I do is once I get the question... I will I will let the guests know who the next one is. Yeah. So that'll be look forward to that one next week. I'll be I'll be publicizing that soon hopefully. Uh any future oh, games okay, okay. that you're uh, you're looking forward to uh to playing in the, you know in coming anything for your PS5 in particular, you know? I mean, you got yeah. you got the new stuff here. Oh yeah. Um I definitely want to play Demon Souls on PS5, which I can, I can do now. I yeah. I haven't done it yet because I've because of this kingdom hearts project. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm excited to, to do that. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and that's, that's probably like the main one I'm looking forward to right now. I guess the, the next Ratchet and Clank, Ratchet and Clank game too, when that comes out, that looks like it's going to be mm-hmm. really cool. Um, another PS five exclusive there. Uh, that, that should be really fun. Um, I, I might start actually trying to speed run Hades, which, uh, like is is another reason it kind of came to mind for the previous question. So I'm excited to to kind of do that. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I kind of just That's take stuff as, as it comes to me. <laughs> yeah, no, no I, sometimes things come. You're not you're not looking for them. I, I think especially, I feel like as as indie games become more and more popular in speedrunning, yeah. those are the sort of things that are less likely to be on your radar until they're right on top of you. Right, uh, exactly. You know? I think actually, whatever comes next from from Exoc Games. Um, the makers of Celeste, mm. like definitely looking forward to, to whatever comes next from them. I think that'll be, that'll be just fantastic. Um, and yeah, looking forward to that. It, it, we kind of hit this period since I got the PS five of like, there were like, you know, a bunch of things I wanted to play right away. And now I've played a lot of them. Um, and so now I'm kind of in this nice mode of just getting to play a bunch of the stuff that I enjoyed uh, in new ways and stuff. And, and demon souls is still, Still, probably the next big one that mm-hmm. I'm going to jump into. Mm-hmm. Who should people in the community know more about? Who, if you could, if you were going to plug someone and say this person needs more eyeballs on them, who's that? Um, <clears throat> probably Mythical Nine, um, because Mythical is speed gaming staff um, does a lot of stuff with speed gaming, but it's also one of the best speedrun commentators there is, uh, and I think doesn't get enough love for it. Um, he's done commentary for some of the GDQ runs in the past, and has also done you know tons of commentary on speed gaming. Um, and is just I think I don't know I, I think he's great. Uh, check out I'm trying to remember like some of the specific runs he's done uh, commentary on. I want to say HDQ 2019. Correct. 
A- no. AGDQ 2018? Which one was in Maryland? No, yeah, AGDQ 2019. Yeah, AGDQ 2019... Uh, Mythical did commentary on a Mega Man Zero three run. It was a Me- some Mega Man Zero run, um, and I thought it was fantastic. Please check it out. There was another run. It was like N plus plus, I think, as well. That same event that Mythical also commentated. Great, uh, great examples of Mythical commentary. Someone in chat mentioning commentating Cyberhook release race, which I agree that he uh, did a great job there. Um, but yeah, he's just. If I were putting together a commentary team, Mythical would be on it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think that's somebody who who deserves a lot more love. Cool. No, that's good. I always feel like there are so many people, and I think you brought up examples here too, of someone who's staff for you know an organization that's doing speedrunning stuff, commentary, uh, and I feel like it's always good to highlight that kind of kind of labor because that's so important. Um, where should people find you? What should they be? I know you've already plugged one or two things but give me give me all your plugs unleash the plugs sure uh so twitch is probably the biggest one uh twitch.tv slash jhobs 296 because i'm still an affiliate scrub who can't get a better name uh (laughs) and uh yeah follow me there um i very rarely but do sometimes post on my youtube there's just so many like things where i i start to get in a good cadence about doing something like posting on YouTube or whatever. And then suddenly I hit a snag of like, Oh, this video is over 12 hours. Got to cut it into multiple pieces. And then suddenly it's been months and I haven't done it yet. And I run out of that cadence, but YouTube, uh, if you search, I think I'm slash Jeffrey Hobson there. Yep. Um, right there. Oh, the you chat. do. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is J underscore Hobbs. That's also where I announce when I'm like streaming and stuff. And then uh, the, my company with Spike is Possibly Bad Entertainment, which uh, we do the Possibly Bad League. We have a YouTube channel that has been a little bit on hiatus because of 2020, but uh, will be getting back too soon. And uh, we do a lot of fun stuff there. We want to do a lot more events. We've had made a bunch of stuff in the works in 2019, which, again, got kind of held off for reasons. Uh, <laughs> but I think that we will hopefully be able to return to it soon. And uh, you can find that twitter.com slash possibly underscore bad and youtube.com slash possibly bad. Or, you know, just tune into our Twitch streams, um, me and Spike Vegeta, because we'll, we do stuff together and we kind of announce that kind of possibly bad stuff whenever, mm-hmm. whenever uh, we get the opportunity. Cool. No, I, 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 as of course, I put some of the links in chat. I will also, if you're listening to this, you know, on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or ever after the fact, all those links will be available uh, in the description uh, on you on YouTube or iTunes or however. Uh, so I think that about wraps up the formal part of things. Uh, Jay Hobbs, thank you so much for for giving me all this time. No, oh, thank you, thank you for having me on. This has been fun. <laughs> now I do need one more thing from you in order to properly sure. end the formal part of the podcast, which is that I'm going to use a cheesy catchphrase like "Let's boost on out of here." And when I say that, <laughs> I need you to give me. Your best rocket engine noise. Rocket engine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Right. I don't. But, it's not going to be good. I'll warn you right now. <laughs> it's, it won't be good. But I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll folks, give, it a, give it a shot. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Let's boost on out of here. <laughs> Thank you.
good good perfect <laughs> i don't know i tried <laughs> no 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 you did it right you did it right um all right so that wraps up the the formal part of things uh if folks have some some q and a uh i i saw i think archie in there in chat hinted that he had things that he went although i anticipated one of archie's questions so daredevil here is calling me out for a production thing which i need to figure out <laughs> which is that discord really does not like the rocket engine noise oh did it just totally get so rid it of it chops <laughs> up some of it and i need to figure out because I, I used to record this not live so i would just have my guests send me their audio and mm. i wouldn't have to deal with that problem because they would just record it through audacity which wouldn't you know wouldn't do anything to it um i need to figure that out i need to figure that out <laughs> but we'll see Production's hard. Nobody got to hear. Well, now now you get to just put in a stock yeah. rocket engine and just it'll just be perfect. Yeah, it'll be like, perfect. I was, this I is amazing at it. It'll be exactly how Hobbs it happened. Is incredible. And then me. and then they'll say, Hobbs, can you do this at the pre show, please? The next pre show. No, it's one time. It's one exclusive time to, to, <laughs> to an overboost exclusive. Uh, all right, Archie's Archie's got questions here. Uh, you've been working with GDQ for a long time. You've seen some explosive growth over that time. Uh, is how is the relationship between having fun, focus on personal contributions, and worried about the outcome of the event evolved since you know over that period of time with your involvement? Uh, I'd say that like it honestly probably hasn't changed a ton. Um, in terms of the like worried about the bottom line, everybody at GDQ really only ever cares in in terms if you're trying to think of like bottom line stuff, they only care that like the donations are more to for the charities. Um, nobody's really like people have to worry about if the business is going to remain operable because if there is not, then there's no GDQ. Um, but it's never like there's, there's never like, how can we, how can we get more money out of people? Ha <laughs> Like it, people like to think that the donations go through us and they, they don't, they don't go through GDQ. They go straight to the charities. So we always want to see bigger and bigger totals because that just means more fantastic work. Those charities can do. Um, the like having fun and focus on personal contributions. I, I'm not sure exactly kind of what the personal contributions part means. Uh, maybe just much. like building your own personal brand by being a part of the event. Maybe is that? Oh, okay. I guess I, um, that's my yeah. guess. That's my interpretation. <laughs> I think that's something that like people. I think that's something people think exists when they are a viewer, um, and a lot of runners think it exists too. But really, what you're kind of doing if you go and like do a run at a GDQ is you're getting to show yourself and your game off. And you hear so many people at the ends of GDQs plug all of the resources they have for like their community has for learning that game because they just want to see more people speed run their game. Um, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for out of those, those GDQ appearances. But you also got to remember that like you, you might get yourself in front of more eyes, but if those people tune in, you got to do something that like kind of makes them want to tune in to you uh after the the fact and if they do you better be entertaining enough to get them to stay um and really i I like to think of it as like if you are then you're probably already going to you would probably kind of hit like naturally grow and hit that point anyways uh it's just really kind of giving you like a little bit of a leap um so so i i don't really think that the personal contribution stuff like that maybe matters to some people but certainly doesn't really matter to the staff members. Like we want to give everybody credit for, for showing up and helping us and, and whatnot. But uh, you know, it's, it's not really something that exists that people think in the same way that people think it does. It's mm-hmm. like, if you go do a GDQ run, you're not going to go immediately become partner and suddenly like you're, you're 
going full-time streaming. <laughs> like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just not a thing that exists. Having fun is always something that has always been a high priority. And, and it, you know, the classic joke is GDQ is no fun. Uh, no, or no fun allowed here. Like, especially if Mike's around, no fun allowed. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it's a blast. Anybody who's been to one knows, knows it is. And I think it's always been fun. Um, my first event that I ever went to is AGDQ 2015, which was already in like, you know, a hotel ballroom. So I, I think that for me, the growth has just seen it. it, it it's still been, been like the same kinds of venues. It's just been more and more people. And it's just cool to see more and more people get to have fun, get to experience that. Uh, I, I can recall like times sitting in packed stream rooms with a bunch of other nerds, like just cheering on Super Mario Maker teams like like that. Those are experiences that I think are different from having a, a bigger scale. And they're really cool for that. Like if, if you have 16 people in a basement, you know, all watching this run, that's mm-hmm. also really fun for different reasons, but it's not going to give you that same feeling, that same like weird, just really cool connection with 2000 other people in a ballroom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it, having fun has always been on the forefront. I don't think that's ever been something that's changed. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to fit in other questions, but while I'm jumping here to Archie's questions, but, uh, Lewis spark asks, if we could only go to AGDQ or SGDQ when the pandemic is over, which would you go to, or which should we go to if you're giving that advice? Ooh, Ooh. Um, you got one event in your budget. Which one is it? Yeah, they're both really fun. Uh, I'm going to have to go with RPG limit break. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, because then you can go to the, the karaoke place we always go to at RPG limit break. Uh, <laughs> oh, Mormons the, allow karaoke? I wouldn't have guessed that one. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah, no, it's... Whichever one's closer to you, honestly. Mm-hmm. They're both great. Um, just probably whichever one is closer to you. Unless you're somebody who really loves like Disney World or Universal or something, and then go to AGDQ since like that one was in Orlando. Okay, no, that's that's believe me that that that's affecting my personal life. That decision when I said like, I'll go to AGDQ, it's now in Orlando, and my wife is like, "Oh, this is in Orlando, huh? Okay, maybe I, I, I maybe I do want to come along." <laughs> I also I do think Minneapolis is like a pretty cool city um, to just walk around and like they've got a lot of great restaurants and bars and stuff. So if that's your jam, if you've got like a group of people that you would just walk around the city. Um, you'd have to kind of take a little bit of a ride into the city first mm-hmm. based on at least in the places we've had in the last couple of years. Um, but it's not the kind of, it's not a destination city, right? Like Orlando's a destination city. People can go to Orlando and have fun there anyways. If you want to go to a city that you have no real reason to go to and have fun doing so, um, then SGDQ is a good reason to go there. All right, let's get Archie's second question here. If you could choose the one hot new thing uh, common law trademark uh, that Hotfix needs to make a show about. What would you find to be the most interesting topic for your new your new Hotfix show that needs to happen because of this burning burning un- unmet <laughs> desire? That's hard for me to answer because I feel like if I had a great answer for that, I would have just made the show <laughs> made by the now. Show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I oh man. I still, I love like, I think I'd love some kind of like more competitive show. Like, like Keys and I do the first step and it's kind of jokingly competitive. Super Boss Bros has come around and they have, uh, you know, competition is more of a, a center focus thing, but I don't know. It could be fun to, to, to have 
something where you're getting um getting people that are like just really good at their speed games coming around for a competition like we gdq tends to put on if communities come to us and they have like this little mini tournament idea or whatever like we'll do it um so more of those are really cool i i also think there's probably a lot more uh like video production stuff that could happen if uh you know given budget and resources and stuff like that uh would be really cool um like tutorials around speedrunning stuff or just uh you know kind of bigger delves into uh being able to show like replays on on shows and whatnot and and stuff like that um yeah I, I, i'm sorry i don't think i can give like a perfect <laughs> answer to that one because i i think i would have made it mm-hmm. made the show mm-hmm. if i came up with no it. that's fair that's extremely fair <laughs> that's kind of the first step was like i wanted to do another hot fix show and i had i thought i had a pretty good idea and yeah now we've been doing it for over a year <laughs> all right we got we got one from lone magi here which is what is your favorite speed run to watch that you do not run yourself? Ooh, favorite speed run to watch that I do not run myself. I might might be stealing this one from my script. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Mega Man Eleven or Me- Mega Man runs in general. Mega Man X runs especially. Uh, love watching them. Can't stand the games. <laughs> can't can't stand them. Tried many times. I want to like them. I don't. <laughs> I hate playing them, but man, do I love watching runs of them. They're really fun. <laughs> no, that's... there we go. I got a short answer for yeah, once. Yeah, there you go. Short answer. <laughs> I had something. All right, we got we got musical daredevil here. Asks, uh, hey, what dude. is your favorite uh, song or musical piece in a Kingdom Hearts game? Um, t- honestly, it might be the uh, the new version of Dearly Beloved that that's in Melody of Memory. Um, it's just like, it's super jazzy. Uh, and they, they're like, they took the menu theme music that's been in like every kingdom hearts game and they, they turned it into something super like upbeat and jazzy. It's really good. Uh, otherwise Hall Bastion's field music is good, uh, is really good. And the lingering will, um, the track that plays when you fight against lingering will, I don't know the names of any of these mm-hmm. things, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, that one's really good too. Cool. No, those are those are Dearly Beloved is a is a great piece. I feel like there's been so many remixes of it at this point too. Like, I'm pretty sure that Christmas <laughs> remix came out this year too as well. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get let's get Archie's third question. I, I I try not to put myself into the interviews too much here, but I, I will indulge indulge Archie here as someone who does you know interviewing and production stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts about Overboost and and me as an interviewer? <laughs> No, I think you did a great job. You you put in the research. I wish, honestly, I wish I could put in the same level of research mm. that you do for every interview I do at GDQ. But you know, we're yeah. we, we're often doing ten interviews per person or something over for a week, and all like prepping all of that while simultaneously writing the pre-show and and uh, rehearsing that and whatnot. So I, I think you you do the research. That's that's already pretty great. Like that's uh, I think you're doing a good job. Thank you. I no, I, I, I more I, constructive I, feedback. But. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I will say that's the thing I take the most pride in is that being a weekly show, taking the time to do that research. I I know Peking Boo definitely uh, got like caught off guard several times because I I had watched all the <laughs> runs and so I was like, oh yeah, like you talk about your socks while doing dance pad speed runs, and he was like, you really had to listen, didn't you? <laughs> so that yeah, was, that I, was nice. research is a big thing. I would tell any like even. Mm. Even for the interviews we do at GDQ, which to a degree are more just like 
little previews of their upcoming run a lot mm. of the time. It's kind of more of the, the post-game runs where we can get into it a little bit. Uh, even for those, we do research. That's something that people don't think about, I think, with interviews. No, that's, it, it really helps. It helps so much to be able to to close the distance that much quicker to get to yeah. you know questions that are really going to bring out bring out the guest um all right here's the other one from lone magi what is your favorite scent moment on or off screen <laughs> uh oh man <laughs> uh i'm thinking of one that i don't know that if, if i should share <laughs> <laughs> i think i think for for scent sake i won't share it unless i had cleared it with him that's fair uh, that's fair <laughs> but there's um there's another one which is just like him, w- him reeling this, winding this music box. I, I think it was SGDQ 2017, where uh, the camera operator, I believe, was Angel at the time, is just slowly zooming in on him more and more as he's reeling the music box, and it's just going and going. He's just zooming and zooming and zooming. It's just really good. <laughs> No, this I, maybe my favorite. I was really impressed with all the haunted doll watch stuff. <laughs> that was good. Too. That, that was, was a good, great. a good bit. Uh, <laughs> very much enjoyed that. Uh, what else we we got here? I uh, hear a question from from Cloud here in chat. Uh, I'm going to read this word for word because I'm not sure if I quite understand it. Uh, what could have been your easiest speed run ever? Hmm. I'm not sure if I, Cloud, if you want to elaborate on that one. I'm yeah, not I don't sure. Know if I understand that? <laughs> yeah, what could have been? Because I feel like you're saying it's a speed run that you could have done, but you didn't end up doing it. If you want to, let... here's a question I have, and I didn't want to do this during the interview. Why is the speed run science book sitting like that behind you? <laughs> uh, because this table here was just like used for stuff, and uh, it, like it's just a useful spot to have. Mm. Uh, it's effectively turned my desk into an L desk, okay. and. I needed something to make it not just this barren white thing in the background <laughs> of my camera. So uh, it's a great set piece. <laughs> I was just wondering, is, is Omni Gamer getting free advertisement on this podcast? Or something? Do I need to yeah, get in whatever. touch with him? Maybe. <laughs> I, I think I think I put it there before either SGDQ or uh, just before some hotfix mm-hmm. episode, like some episode of the first step, um, like th- this year or in 2020, rather at some point. Um, where I had just kind of re I, I think part of it too, is that I used to have like the camera zoomed in a lot more and it wasn't fitting in some of the layouts that we did in, uh, with the first step, it was yeah. like, I was getting my head cut off as a result. And so I had to zoom it out more. This became, you know, more visible and I didn't want just this blank table sitting back there. No, that's, that's fair. Good book too. You know, I, I would yeah. say yeah. if you want to read a book about <laughs> speed running, you can do, you could do far, far worse. It's a pretty good one. Um, clouds. Okay. So cloud said a speed run, that you thought was easy, but then turned out to be hard. Oh, um, speeder I thought was easy turned out to be hard. Um, I did think kind of Portal Two talking on that. I did think I'd be better at bunny hopping than I was because <laughs> I had I had messed around with bunny hopping a little bit in like uh, some Quake Online. Uh, some like web browser version of of it, I think. And so I, I thought I was going to pick that up pretty quickly, but mm-hmm. uh, it ended up being a lot different and pretty difficult to do some of the more advanced stuff there. Otherwise, um, 
any game that involves like that's really hard to practice i think so like hollow knight was really hard to learn for the second step until uh until i downloaded the debug mod that they have as soon as i got the debug mod it became a lot better um so i think i think it would have been oh no i know the actual answer to this kingdom hearts 2 final mix uh is the actual answer uh i ran beginner for like two weeks and i this is after i had been running kingdom hearts 1 for a long time after i had commentated kingdom hearts 2 countless times so like i knew m- so much about mm. this video game and it was still brutally difficult in terms <laughs> of just trying to know like th- there's so many things with where you need to like manipulate the ai of an, of an a boss and if you take like one step too far it's like oh well you walk too far mm-hmm. you change the the like way that they're going to behave that was really difficult um I think there's better resources now too, but it was, it's also just that like the, a lot of the people that I would talk to and get help from on that, their brains about speedrunning just work differently than mine do. I have to kind of like understand everything about why this thing works before I can kind of like replicate it myself. But they kind of, you know, are one of those people who are like, Oh, I just do this and I know it, it'll work every time. And that, that kind of thing doesn't work as well for me. So Kingdom Hearts two, weirdly enough, I think was, was, one of the harder ones for me. You know, I feel like that that is though a perfect setup for that kind of thing where, you know, you've watched it a lot or you did commentary or you played a game that came before or after it in a series and you think, Oh, well, you know, I'll just adapt a few things, but I, I know, I know this game. And then, and then you discover the speed run. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fair. <laughs> that's pretty fair. I think it's also like, um, RPGs in general compared to like with the first step, we have to, come up with our own stuff all the time or even the second step like we're, we're we're doing a lot of routing on the fly and we're sometimes we're learning stuff but we're we're having to adapt it to make it easier for us to be able to do in a week mm-hmm. you know um we we know exactly how things need to be changed but rpgs are kind of harder sometimes because the oftentimes they don't have like, Oh, well just take this small 30 second deviation and get yourself a bunch of safety items or whatever. Like sometimes the trick is like, if you're, if you don't do the strat, you're going to lose a ton of time or, or just, you can't come up with an easy alternative yourself. You have to hope that somebody else has already come up with one or spend a lot of time to come up with an alternative. And uh, yeah, I think that that can be difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm yeah definitely definitely we got some okay so we got some next step commands uh step step uh excuse me questions here uh okay so w- i guess the one is the next first step i think you might have mentioned that already but when is the next first step and how do you decide which games you you and keys do uh yeah the first the first step airs every thursday at 7 p.m eastern on the games done quick channel which would have been this thursday also but i actually got it wasn't feeling well unfortunately Mm -hmm. so the next episode is going to be ghost runner because that's what would have been (laughs) this time uh which should be really fun i was enjoying the amount that i've played of it so far uh the way we pick games is there's kind of like a bunch of criteria like we we have to pick we want to pick a game first of all that we're both we both think we'll have fun with um sometimes that leans a little more into thinking like maybe i'll have a little more fun than keys will or keys will have a little more fun than i will but we want to pick something we both are interested in playing because if if we're ever doing it where we're just picking games that we don't want to actually want to play then then we shouldn't do the show anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we'd, we'd be bored um but we also it has to be something that either 
is we think is going to be completable in uh like around eight hours, eight to twelve hours of a casual playthrough, or at least should get a good chunk of the game done where we would be pretty happy like doing that much of the game on the show. Uh, and then the show itself, we shoot for like a four hour maximum. We generally want something that's between like two to four hours, mm-hmm. um, three hours being pretty much the sweet spot. So we use how long to beat.com uh, to try to help get an idea of how long the casual playthroughs of a game are going to take. And we use that plus just our experience of like how much faster a second playthrough tends to be to try to determine what the time is going to be. We also look at what the time is for the world record uh, for the speed runs. We don't look at them because it's part of the show, right? but we look at uh, what the time is and we try to go, okay, let's like that can, that can tell us a lot of different stuff. Like if how long to beat says that this is a 15 hour game and it's a half an hour um, speed run, then that probably means that it's so broken that we can't really use the speed run time to tell us anything about it (laughs) because it might mean that it's so like glitchy and broken that like, if we did our best bet, we or we took our best shot at speedrunning it, we would be like a seven-hour time. Right, um, right. Conversely, if it's a run where the speedrun is two and a half hours, we're probably not going to get that done in four hours. Uh, you're like We're probably going to take like six hours or something, unless it's a game where a lot of the time sync just comes from like unskippable cutscenes or something, in which case it might not work just because it might not be as fun for us. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, there's a, like a lot of this weird balancing act of trying to find games that we're going to enjoy that are also going to fit in the casual time frame and going to fit in the show time frame, And, you know, are going to be things that we think people are going to want to watch. Cause that's obviously like a part of it. We want people to be enjoying themselves and watching the show. It, it's, it's all a weird balancing act and it's, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> How far sometimes in advance? Them how far in advance are you typically planning this stuff? That's the other part of Giblux's question. Uh, we we're generally planning around a half a season or more at a time, and our seasons tend to be about thirteen episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that equates to like two months, roughly. Yeah. Uh, but we're also sometimes bad about it, and like. <laughs> Maybe we're two months ahead, but then we'll spend like a month and a half doing episodes, and then it's like, oh crap, we're going to run out of episodes, like run out of games soon, and we'll uh, we'll plan the next two months out. Uh, it, it's also like we also want to try to do new games if they're going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of this balancing act as well of like we want we don't want to be too rigid in our schedule because if like some hot new game comes out, like Silk Song gets you know nobody knows when that game's coming out yet, the Hollow Knight sequel, if if they just showed up in March and we're like, Hey, here's the game. <laughs> like we're not doing a big, you know, release date announcement. We want to be able to pivot and do that if we think it'll be fun. Uh, so we're kind of flexible on it. That makes sense. Here we got, we got our question here for, for Magi. And I, I think I can interpret this correctly, which is to say, you know, when it comes to speedrun guides, what format do you, you know, enjoy or would recommend to others, whether that be, you know, a guided playthrough, a segment by segment breakdown, or just, you know, separating a, a sort of trick index away from doing the, the playthrough style? Like what is your what's your take on the speedrun guide? Uh, I think it's really dependent on what level of skill you are trying to look for. So 
when I'm just trying to learn a run at all, like just trying to get into it, um, it might be more useful for me to just watch a full run of it or just watch a couple skips and just implement a couple skips. So either one of those can kind of work. But if I am somebody who is already a speedrunner of the game and I'm trying to kind of step it up and move to the next level, I think I want a segment by segment video breakdown because I want to, I want to like learn, okay, how can I, what are the two seconds I can save in this segment that I'm not saving right now? And what are the five seconds in this one? Like I want to, I want to look at it in that regard. Um, especially if you do some kind of analysis of your own splits and see like uh, on average, I'm losing a lot of time in this section compared to somebody else. It's a lot more useful to be able to just jump to a specific video on that section than to have to piece it together from the full run. Um, And it it, like your time investment matters a lot, right? Like watching a full run where somebody just commentates it as a tutorial, but doesn't like pause the video is not going to be the best thing to learn from necessarily uh if you're just trying to like get into it but also it's it means it's not going to take six hours to learn this one hour speed run uh or more you know because you could easily spend way way more than that um so for the first step like or or not really the first step because we don't learn it for that but for the second step it was really useful to us to have uh guides that were not like drastically longer than the length of the run and it still took us hours at a time to to learn those runs. Sure. No, I'm next that I I think I kind of feel the the same way which is it sort of it sort of depends where you're at, right? Like what is it you need help with, you know? Yeah. And then you're going to you're going to choose your your tools from there. Um cuz like sometimes you just need help with the basic information. Where are all the mm-hmm. collectibles? <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, that that is huge, especially like when you start to throw randomizers in the mix like there are a lot of people who are not going to care about going fast in terms of like doing boss strats in Kingdom Hearts 2, but they, they want to know where all the chests are mm-hmm. <laughs> so they don't just get screwed by like leaving something somewhere and not never knowing it. All right. Well, I'm going to throw out one more call to, uh, to folks watching. If you do have more questions, uh, I'll throw in a filler question here, a, a very selfish filler question, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, would you have people that you would want to see uh, fall victim to an interview with me? <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Who is coming to mind? I, who, who need what speedrunner needs to be on a podcast? Because I feel like right. part of my part of what I I do is I I've noticed there's a surprising number of people who I thought like oh yeah someone would have picked this person because there's been a few podcasts before I mentioned my insane pace earlier. There's mm-hmm. a few other that do a great job. You know, I have no no ill will towards anyone no, else used, doing this thing. I used to have one. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Darkman Frozen Trella and I used to to have one on, on GDQ, but that was mm-hmm. more about breaking down runs than, okay. than okay. talking to runners. Right, right, right. Uh so like but like also I just feel like there's you know, there's a whole universe of runners out there and I'm always surprised to see who I can find that hasn't been on anything yet, you know. Okay. Um not that you well, you, could, you can recommend anybody. You don't have to right. do new no, no, research yeah, on whether you. or not they've been on the podcast. Right. I mean, I could give you the easy like spike and keys just because sure, that's yeah. who I do stuff with all the time. But yeah. like they, they've both been on stuff before. Um, who's somebody who hasn't been on one who I think would be like perfect for it. Uh, I don't actually I don't know if he's been on one or not, but I think Konosumi would be really great on a on a podcast. Um, learn some some more stuff from him. Same with Brian Otto. I feel like Brian Otto is probably 
probably been on one. So, uh, well, I guess I might as well plug myself here. Uh, Brian Otto, I think, was Overboost 25, maybe? Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> let, me, so let me see here. Uh, what was it? Oh, Kelsey would be great. Yeah, yeah. Brian Otto was... Th- so, 27. Uh, Giblix in the chat mentioned Argic. Uh, Argic was actually Overbeast. number 17. So, nice. you go back. You'll find <laughs> you'll find Argic in the... Uh, so, if you... You know, I, I'll I'll plug it again here. Uh, I have a YouTube playlist, and of course, if you have a whatever podcatcher you use, Spotify, iTunes, you can find Bri- uh, Brian Otto and Argic back there. Uh, Konosumi has been recommended to me before, though, so that's a good one. Yeah, uh, Kelsey, I, I think I've, I think I followed Kelsey on Twitter at, the, at some point. Kelsey would be great too. Yeah, yeah, yeah so Kelsey's not. great. Um, I think also, uh, I think let's see. I, I know I had somebody else in mind. I think Emray would be pretty, uh, pretty cool too. She is fantastic at like Hollow Knight, and I think has mm-hmm. done Dark Souls stuff in the past, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she'd be great. Blecky, if you haven't had Blecky, Blecky's awesome. <laughs> he's just fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> he's really good at it. Another fantastic commentator. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Tushan. There you go. That's another great one. Yeah, yeah, no, there's lots of great. See, this is what I'm saying. Like you, you start thinking about it, and you're like, oh, all these excellent people. Um, again some of them have been mentioned to me and some of them i haven't haven't thought about before so i'm i'm glad glad that i I brought it up um all right well it seems like we are uh about towards the end of the oh wait wait here we go here we go imagine the last minute entry yeah last minute entry (laughs) uh at this point with gdq interviewing you've probably interviewed a few people you're ahead of interviews you've done a few uh do you feel like there's anyone that you would be starstruck to talk to Hmm. Um, I don't know about starstruck. Like I've gotten, I've gotten that feeling a little bit before with some of the people I've like interacted with, uh, either at an event or like on Twitter or something or, um, or, or, or like Dan Jones is somebody who, um, I watch, uh, he, he, he does like YouTube stuff as well. He streams as well. Cause I'm Dan Jones to just throw out another plug in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he's done like co-op stuff for, for a uh, channel called Playframe that I watched for a long time. And then I recently have been, uh, hanging out with him a bunch. So that, that was probably like a fun starstruck kind of moment. I don't know if there's much that I could think of right now. Um, I'd love to do something with the Funhouse crew at some point. I think that'd be pretty cool. They, they got a great YouTube channel. Um, but I don't know if there's any, I'm tr- especially with speedrunning. It's like, it's still, even with how big it's gotten, it still feels very close knit and like mm-hmm. niche where I, I feel like anybody that I would talk to out of it, it's like, well, we got that common ground of being a speedrunner that, you know, just going in. Um, I'm not really too, you know, concerned about being starstruck to him. I, I think in general too, it's, it's nowadays, like a lot of the people that, that are, are kind of, more popular, more, more internet famous or whatever they they've gotten that way, but they're still just like normal people, like movie stars and whatnot are also normal people, but there's definitely this whole weird circle of like, okay, they're, they go through different life experiences than I've had just to be able to like get to Hollywood and whatnot. And, and uh, there's that kind of thing doesn't really exist when you can stream from your home anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it's really just a, a bunch of other, like probably somewhat, um, somewhat like closeted nerds <laughs> just <laughs> that you, you, that just happen to be pretty funny and, and entertaining. 
So I think that you kind of that that illusion of of feeling like it's impossible to talk to somebody is a little bit more. It's dissolved a bit more. Yeah. In, yeah. In today's age. All right. Well, it is now it is now five o'clock Eastern. So I'm going to go ahead and say that questions are closed. 